You are listening to Talking Star Wars. Hello, and welcome to Talking Star Wars. If you listened to our previous episode, A Tale of Two Clone Wars, we started our survey of Star Wars visual media by exploring the original, Genedy Tartakovsky, The Clone Wars, and then the more recent and canon Clone Wars animated series. We now go into the rest of the animated canon of Star Wars by continuing with Rebels and Resistance. All right. So that takes us out of the Clone Wars into the next you know, series released chronologically. This was a, another one that was started production before Disney's acquisition, but Disney kept it in production and produced the whole series after acquiring Star Wars. And that is Star Wars Rebels. Which makes sense. Uh, it's a return to form uh, in terms of aesthetics and maybe storytelling, just pushing it towards the original trilogy era, which is where Disney wanted people to have their headspace because The Force Awakens lends itself to that original trilogy aesthetic. I must say, however, I have not watched Rebels. I have absorbed some through osmosis from you know the sheer will of Alex's friendship. Uh, but I still need to get caught up on that show. That's one of many things that I need to get caught up on. Yeah, so let me explain Rebels to anyone who hasn't seen it before. So you will immediately notice from Rebels is that the art style is different than the Clone Wars. It is deliberately animated in the style of Ralph McQuarrie. Who is the original concept artist for Star Wars. So things are longer and leaner. The techn- Everything is still in the, set in the same universe, but it is visually different in the same way that Dooku has a very large face in the Clone Wars. Um, characters look a little bit different, especially in early Rebels. Mm-hmm. So Rebels lasts for four seasons, um, a first and last season of 12 to 13 episodes each. I believe last season's 14. And then two middle seasons of 22 episodes each. Two middle seasons of... Yeah, so between all of them, totaling almost about uh, 60, 60, 70 episodes. Um, So short first and last seasons and longer middle two seasons with a time skip in between seasons three and four. Um, This is a more focused story than the Clone Wars tells, mostly following the story of uh, the crew of the Ghost, which is a cell of the Rebel Alliance who operate off of one stealth ship and go on a variety of missions. Um... The crew includes Hera Syndulla, daughter of Cham Syndulla, the Clone Wars leader. Hey, present in the Clone Wars that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, we have Kanan Jarrus, survivor of Order 66. Former as- Jedi Padawan. Of Master Depa Balaba. Another one of the Jedi that are within the Jedi Council who gets expanded on in the Clone Wars and uh, yeah. Bad Batch. And as seen, seen surviving in the Bad Batch that we'll get to. Um Force-sensitive street child who becomes his Padawan, Ezra Bridger. Aladdin um, in space. Yeah. Last survivor of his species, um, Zeb, the Lasat honor guard. Who, interestingly enough, is designed off of Ralph McQuarrie's original drawings for Chewbacca. And, yeah. as of this, has recently been redepicted in full CGI and live action Ooh. in The Mandalorian. I believe uh, Stephen Blum uh, reprises the voice and does he the does. motion capture, too. He does, yes. Love me, some, uh, yeah. love me some Zeb. And then you have Chopper, the most homicidal droid you'll ever come across that's not <laughs> named Grievous or Mr. Bones. Um, cool. I just re-listened to our uh, uh, EU expansion on or our EU review featuring Mr. Bones, and I just cracked up because I won't 
reveal it now. Just listen to our previous E review for the whole showcase on Mr. Bones. Yeah, so Chopper, it'll kill me if I say this, but he's only the third most murderous droid in the <laughs> Star Wars universe because he works for the Rebels and is actually, you know, is friends with Hera. And then you have Sabine Wren, who is a Mandalorian outcast uh, and artist. And together they fight the Empire. So it's a motley crew. It's a diverse cast in terms of character backgrounds. Yeah, drawing influence from Firefly for the diverse crew. Um, the Ghost is obviously inspired a little bit by the Millennium Falcon, but mm-hmm. it's also a stealth ship. And I would the, say it's inspired by Star Wars, where you have your humans, your aliens, your droids. It's uh, this kind of true-to-type combination. I'm always looking like a sequel trilogy. Who's your human? Who's your alien? Who's your droid? Your alien's still Chewbacca. Aw. Like, where's your alien in the prequel trilogy? Oh, that's why you're only in one episode with the main crew. It's another Jar Jar reference. Anywho. <laughs> so, uh, I, just from what I've seen, it looks like it's a, a fair balance of personality types in this crew. Yeah, and each character will go through arcs of getting certain focuses in that relationships between specific characters so you might say that the big three characters are like Hera as captain and then you have the two Jedi um, Kanan and Ezra Ezra is really the protagonist if we had to pick one he's the viewpoint character he's new to the crew at the start of the series but everyone else gets their time to shine even Chopper has a couple of focused episodes or arcs and unlike the droid arc in the Clone Wars um, Chopper has much more personality than any droid aside from maybe R2-D2 um, they can't want, speak English would, would never want Chopper doesn't need to speak basic. English to communicate to, basic to communicate his point mm-hmm. he, he communicates his point with death <laughs> uh, yeah, he's so efficient the Clone Wars uh, I would say Rebels starts out a little rough you might, if you watch the first two episodes, you're like, man, this seems like it's really designed for kids. And that's because it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but much like the Clone Wars, it matures as it goes. And it's, I would say the highest high points in Rebels are better than almost anything else in any other series we're about to talk about today. When the when Rebels is good, it is amazing. It, it also introduces uh, great antagonists from Agent Callus, an ISB agent, utterly committed to finding the crew of the Ghost, to... The Grand Inquisitor. Oh yes. And then starting in season three, Grand Admiral Thrawn himself, the the crew of the Ghost, have become um, such a thorn in the uh, Empire side that Grand Admiral Thrawn himself is one of his many tasks is to capture and uh, defeat them once they've become part of a larger rebel cell. And I must say, both Thrawn and the Inquisitors are inclusions and uh, redesigns from legend stories. Correct. I would I would say, along with you know bringing in Ralph McQuarrie's art style, also reintroducing legends elements, uh, was also a goal of Rebels, and also Maul reappears as a character. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil more than that, but you know you knew now that he survives his fall from grace at the hands of Palpatine, and reappears in Rebels, still hunting and trying to kill Obi Wan Kenobi. So, and. As does, and Hondo Onaku also appears as a more middle-aged mm-hmm. pirate, no less avaricious, but a little more wise than he used to be. We also have some uh, degeneratively aged clones who have survived the Clone Wars. Uh, yes, most notably you get Captain Rex, who, if you've watched the Clone Wars, you know survives Order 66, and comes out of retirement to become a secondary recurring character for the crew of the Ghost. Um, he's you know, probably... He's like 40 years old and he looks like he's 80. Um, 
and but becomes a key member of the crew. And then we also see what Ahsoka Tano's been up to as a member of the Rebellion. And tying in with the themes as in Andor and other shows, you see how a rebellion against something as powerful as the Empire was able to get off the ground, with the Empire having the full weight of the bureaucracy of the Old Republic against it, in stark contrast to the sequel trilogy where the First Order is kind of is, has military might, but their support is built on uh, a bank of sand, and why the resistance, though smaller, uh, a single sharp shove is enough to send their whole power base crashing to pieces. The Empire is a more monolithic that must be killed with a death of a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have all these individual rebel cells. And we're able to get a lot of mileage on that because the Clone Wars is kind of focused more on this unified, pun unintended, force of the Jedi and Republic trying to battle the Separatists. Uh, you're able to have stories from different angles and different maturity levels into how a rebellion forms up against the Empire. Yeah, so uh, to get my biases out of the way, Rebels is my favorite um, animated series of Star Wars. And the climax arcs of several of the seasons are among the best things Star Wars has ever produced. Uh, you get, And one of the more interesting parts is our two Jedi characters are not... Are, I mean, they're more powerful than like almost anyone else they fight, but they are not as powerful as they're not a 1% Jedi like Anakin Skywalker or Luke Skywalker Mm -hmm. or Obi-Wan Kenobi. They, the Inquisitors threaten them. And if they find themselves in too many impossible situations, they have to run and they each have personal growth that they need to go through. The mentor character is not a static character who exists Mm -hmm. to impart wisdom as Obi-Wan Kenobi honestly is by the time we meet him in the, the new hope. He has already gone through his character development and exists mm-hmm. as a foil for Luke. And you can argue in the prequel trilogy he was a static character because he was uh, kind of the the rock and didn't break until he had to yeah. pacify Anakin. Correct. And then we see him go through that character development in Kenobi, mm-hmm. but he's already finished it by the time he gets to A New Hope. And mm-hmm. this one, you see even the mentor figure have to grow and change as a mentor, which is, I, is my preference for a mentor character. So Rebels is amazing. You get out deep lore about the Force. You get philosophical conversations about um, the meaning of action versus inaction, pacifism versus um, action. You see characters being tempted by the dark side and what that means in a war-torn galaxy ruled by an empire. Uh, and from what I've seen, an expansion on the lore of the dark side, uh, where you have your Inquisitors, which is a group of Force-sensitive individuals who've kind of been stunted but still honed to be weapons. I know that uh, we've said that Maul returns, uh, and he has a different angle to the dark side. Yeah. Don't call him Darth Maul anymore. He is no longer a Maul. Sith. He, he follows the dark side, but in his mm-hmm. own way. Um, and then you meet um, another interesting, deliberately neutral character in the Bendu, who is a n- neutral Force user who acts as both an antagonist and ally to our main team depending on the time and place and he's also a giant fucking space beast right he looks like a giant space oxen yes yeah but also like a rock also like (laughs) a tree um he's uh yeah a uh i I think that should be also in the forefront he's not an old man in a robe he is uh, a giant extraterrestrial and for those who love Mandalorians, one of our main characters is a Mandalorian and engages in Mandalorian activities, such as fighting other Mandalorians, 
For what could be more Mandalorian than fighting other Mandalorians? And we get to see the shift in their culture. Post-Empire, post yes. Mm -hmm. Some of them being roped into the Empire. Uh, Many of them rebelling and existing outside the existing power structure, mm -hmm. and a few joining the Rebellion. Mm -hmm. So would you say there's any skippable episodes? Like Clone Wars might have a couple that aren't necessary to the overall flow? No, I mean, there are definitely arcs that are not as good in Rebels. I mean, that'll be for, again, any long-running show. Mm -hmm. But especially once you get past the first first few episodes of the first season, you got to watch the whole thing in order. Mm -hmm. It is not like Clone Wars where there are separate arcs that might like take place in the past or just fill in backstory. This is a linear, ongoing story telling the growth and change of a group of people through an intense time of war and conflict. Uh, and it goes to some dark places, guys. I mean, I would. this is appropriate for children, early teens and on, but I wouldn't watch this with your seven-year-old. Good to know. So a little bit rough at the beginning, but so was the Clone Wars, honestly, getting past some of the early animation and kind of more stale character arcs. But good to know that there is a, a high bar uh, moving on to Rebels. All right. So... For the last show in this episode, to sort of round out our um, lengthy animated series, we come to Star Wars Resistance. And I have not watched this, and I will not be watching this. Yeah, I have recommended that Connor not watch this one. I'm going to tell you, and in our next episode as well, as we review the rest of the shows that uh, has been produced in Star Wars, I'll tell you to watch all of them. The one show I'll tell you you can probably skip unless you're a completionist like me is Star Wars Resistance. So this is the one. This is the sequel era um, show. It's the only one set before and then concurrently with the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi, uh, and it's fine, I guess. There are some good arcs in this show. There is some good stuff here. It is about a New Republic pilot. He's you know like early 20s, uh, pampered rich kid. And he makes contact with Poe Dameron, decides he wants to join the resistance, joins the resistance. But rather than joining their military, he is sent as a spy to a far off fueling platform um, on the edges of the Outer Rim where the First Order is making inroads. And he is so bad at his job. If you do not enjoy, if you get bad secondhand embarrassment like me, this is hard to get through. <laughs> Um, to see how incompetent our main characters, to the point of almost unbelievability. Um, there are no Jedi that appear anywhere in the show. There are no Sith that appear anywhere in the show. So if you really like Force stuff, that's not a deal breaker for me. I love stuff that's about the other aspects of the show. We get, at one point, the main characters get trapped in a Sith temple in one episode. You get some interesting stuff there. But the most painful part, at least through the first season, is how incompetent our main character is to the point where he becomes rather unlikable and it strains my believability he does go through some character development becomes the most compelling part of the show is his growth he makes great friends and they form their own sort of resistance cell against the fight of the first order and from pirates to the survivors of this uh fueling platform it, but you can skip this one unless you're a huge Star Wars fan. When I when I think about what I want in a in a show set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, I'd like to see Luke. I'd like to see the Jedi Order. I'd like to see 
the New Republic. I'd like to see uh, anything that's connected to characters that I know. And uh, at least Rebels incorporates concepts that you're familiar with. Jedi, Rebels, Mandalorians. Uh, but I, I, I see nothing here that I that's familiar. I see CGI people in a... Just a, a even if the aesthetic's weird, it's just all clean and uh, just the, soft. The art style does grow on you. It looks like kind of a hand painted thing, which mm. is nice. And like I said, the second season is much better than the first season. Mm-hmm. Like second season becomes watchable and <laughs> enjoyable, even enjoyable. And, and, mm-hmm. and so, if you have a younger Star Wars fan who like really wants it, I mean, you could you could watch this. It's not going to be painful. But a lot of the time you're wondering, man, not a lot happened on that episode. But the benefits, if I'm going to call out a benefit of, the stakes always remain appropriate. It is the survival of a community that is being threatened by the First Order, the leadership decisions they have to make, and then the community sense of community they have to maintain in the face of potential destruction. So in that sense, um, I did enjoy the second season more than the first and I considered the conclusion to be acceptable, but <laughs> it even enjoyable. But it is, but none of the characters, aside from the main character Kaz, he appears in one other expanded universe work I can remember for like two seconds. Uh, otherwise, it's not revealing anything of true import about the sequel era, except perhaps how the resistance grew and operated. Uh, you get. You got BB-8 as Kaz's sidekick for the first season, so BB-8 is as sassy as ever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm not gonna watch it. You shouldn't watch it. You uh, could watch it. You could watch it. It's just, but you shouldn't. Like, if you're gonna pick any of these, watch any of the other ones first. Mm-hmm. Leave the resistance for last, which is what I did. Uh, and then you know, turn it on while you're like doing laundry or uh, have something while you're working or something else. Um, watch it with your grandma yeah this is not one where you need to pay attention to every second or you're going to miss important plot information like mm-hmm. pretty much everything else we're going to talk about Yeah, it's, so I would say join us next time when we talk about our next show which I have actually watched uh, we will be discussing the live action Star Wars visual media outside of movies along with the final animated shows thank you so much for listening and join us next time for visual media review part 3 We'll see you sometime soon in a galaxy right here.